Last Sunday was the solemnity of Jesus Christ, King of the universe. And next Sunday, we begin a new year with the first Sunday of Advent. This is the After Dinner Scholar, Wyoming Catholic College's weekly podcast about the great books and the liberal arts. I'm your host, Dr. Jim Tonkowicz. The Solemnity of Christ the King was instituted by Pope Pius XI in his 1925 encyclical, Quas Primas, in the first. As a response to, quote, those bitter enmities and rivals between nations which still hinder much the cause of peace, that insatiable greed which is so often hidden and gives rise to so many private quarrels, a blind and immoderate selfishness making men seek nothing but their own comfort and advantage and measure everything by these. No peace in the home because men have forgotten or neglected their duty and unity and stability in the family undermined. Society, in a word, shaken to its foundations and on the way to ruin. Rather than sounding nearly 100 years old, Pius's words sound as fresh as if they were written yesterday. And I asked theologian Dr. Kent Lesnowski whether we need to pay a bit more attention to this last Sunday in the church year. I think the feast principally shows us, or rather invites us to remember that there's no place in our lives, there's no element of the world, the cosmos, politics, morality, economics, the fun you have throwing, playing fetch with your dog, uh, what you do with your kids. Um, there's nothing in life that isn't subject to our Lord and King and God. That it's basically a call for us to bring all of those elements in our lives that we've either secretly, unknowingly, or willfully set aside from God's reign, from his kingdom. It's just an invitation to have us bring those back in under the reign of, of Christ our King. The ancient Israelites who crossed the Red Sea and experienced the power of God a few days later promptly forgot it. What's, that seems to play out in every age and in each one of our lives. So this is a yearly reminder that these things are true. Yeah, we need it. I mean, let's be honest. It's pretty easy to forget something that you can't see, you know, and, and this is one of the one of the things with Cartesian philosophy, he basically says ideas are bigger in our head and we think they're true the more we look at them. Now, there's a certain sense to that, you know, and this is part of why you've got to get back to, you got to get to mass frequently, you got to do adoration, you got to spend time in prayer, you got to read the scripture. If you don't have it in front of your face, uh, you're very likely to just forget God. And, and the psalmist says, you know, the fool says there is no God. Now that's not, we're not saying there is no God, but what's happened, what happens is uh, we, we, f we forget and we act as if there's no God without even knowing we're doing it. Well, in, in his encyclical, Pius XI is very clear that Jesus rules over everything. He's, he's king of the universe. Mm -hmm. But it seems to me it's disputed kingship because we don't see it. I, I remember once... Uh, going to, uh, must have been Christmas Mass, and the priest walked out from the pulpit, walked over to the creche, and looked at the baby Jesus in the creche, and said, Jesus, you don't look like a king. Wow. And it's kind of, yeah. yeah, it's kind of that yeah. way. 
Yes. And it's weird because also in his encyclical, which is really worth reading and, and awesome because it's short, right? It's actually approachable. Um, in his encyclical, he talks about this very fact that although Christ had full power over all things, even economic and political things in his uh, time uh, on earth, he chose to set that aside. He chose to allow it to be a disputed kingship. For some reason, it seems to be in God's providence that he wants to, I guess, let us decide whether we're going to affirm the truth of his kingship and sort of not overwhelm us with the fact of his kingship at every turn. It's kind of an interesting reality. When in the encyclical, uh, the Pope is talking about Christ as king, it's really interesting when he mentions the levels of the kingship, right? That Christ not only has juridical kingship, that is, he has the power and right to make laws, which he does, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, love as I have loved you, right? He gives, and he says, those who love me fulfill my, fulfill my commands. But he also has an executive power, he says, too, um, that we must obey his laws. Um, but he goes beyond that, uh, the Pope, to say that not only is Christ this sort of legal and executive power, but he has a sort of internal, penetrating, transcending power in our lives that he must be the ruler of our heart and the ruler of our mind, which I just find so moving, right? That if Christ is king of my mind, what does that mean? It means that somehow everything I think is subject to him. Well, what does that mean? Well, I guess it means it's subject to the truth because he called himself the way, the truth, right? And the life. And so if I'm subjecting my mind to Christ as king, it means I must think and learn and be surrounded by and enveloped in the truth. And then when we get to Christ, the king of my heart, well, what does that mean? I guess it means... Uh, that I, all of my affect, all of my emotions, all my motivations should be founded in the movement toward him as my uh, ruler whom I serve in love. Not out of fear, not out of the bad kind of fear, right? But filial fear, a true kind of love that comes welling up from my heart um, that's placed there and infused there by the sacraments and then lives there throughout the whole year uh, guiding me to, to serve my king uh, from the depths of my heart. I just find that beautiful. Students love thinking about Christ the King. It's actually in our curriculum, Quas Primas. Uh, we read it in senior year for moral theology, and we have the propers for mass that day in the, in the curriculum as well. So wonderful to get the students thinking about this. Let's jump ahead from Christ the King Sunday to the first Sunday of Advent. It's only the second half of Advent that we focus on baby Jesus. When I started reading the breviary and praying the breviary, it shocked me that for the beginning of Advent, we're, we're focused on the second coming of Christ. Tell us about that. Why is that important? I think it's important because we need to, we need to have things in the right order. And it's ironic that the historical order is somewhat inverted here. Um, the order of time, perhaps, is, is different from the order of importance. We have really three advents of Christ, three comings of Christ that we're celebrating, right, that we're getting ready for in Advent. And the first one in history was the nativity on earth. Uh, the second one in history was your baptism and my baptism. 
The third one in history is his final coming in our judgment. But at the end of the day, that is the one that we have to spend not only this Advent preparing for, but every moment of every day preparing for. And we never know when that Advent really is going to be ended and uh, the arrival will be here of the end of time. So it's, it's really great for the church to give us a season where we are told, hey, remember that final, remember that final judgment? Let's get ready for that. Let's get ready for that now. And, and then we'll celebrate, after we do some preparation work, we'll celebrate the fact that God, in his judgment, is judging us through the power of one who is born in vulnerability, right? who comes into a world to be loved by us and to love us with his whole self vulnerably. It's just a beautiful kind of juxtaposition, the power and fearfulness of the last judgment with the sort of gentleness of the nativity. It's a great mix. Pius XI said in his encyclical that the Feast of Christ the King should be the Sunday before All Saints Day. And it got moved to the end of the liturgical year. I like that idea. You know, we have this Feast of Christ the King, and then as we go into Advent, he's the king who's coming. His reign will no longer be disputed. Every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord. Yeah, that that is a that's one of the changes in the church that's that seems to be interesting and has a number of benefits to it that we could talk about. You know, I think um, the culmination of the liturgical year in the high point of Christ's kingship is is something worth thinking about. And it's a place that you can point at, right? Throughout your weeks after Pentecost, you can be thinking, okay, what am I, what am I getting ready for here in these weeks after Pentecost? Okay, I'm getting ready for the celebration of Christ the King. And then I'm gonna get to spend some more time getting ready after that celebration for uh, the celebration of his nativity. At the end of Quas Primus, Pius XI wrote, quote, the faithful, moreover, by meditating upon these truths, will gain much strength and courage, enabling them to form their lives after the true Christian ideal. If to Christ our Lord is given all power in heaven and on earth, if all men purchased by his precious blood are by a new right subjected to his dominion, if this power embraces all men, it must be clear that not one of our faculties is exempt from his empire. He must reign in our minds, which should assent with perfect submission and firm belief to revealed truths and to the doctrines of Christ. He must reign in our wills, which should obey the laws and precepts of God. He must reign in our hearts, which should spurn natural desires and love God above all things and cleave to him alone. He must reign in our bodies and in our members, which should serve as instruments. Good things to remember as Advent begins this coming Sunday. From Wyoming Catholic College, this is Dr. Jim Tonkowicz.